0: If I mentioned the Hall of Fame to you, what would come first to your minds? Well, I imagine that for lots of us, that would bring to mind something about sports, right? I mean, maybe the most famous Hall of Fame is the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. That's one of the oldest, maybe. There's also a Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. You may have heard of that. But I think if you mentioned Hall of Fame, probably to most of us, it would bring to mind something about sports and sports figures and people who are in the Hall of Fame in baseball or football, really great, excellent. They, they were the best at what they did, Hall of Fame. But actually, there are other kinds of Hall of Fame uh, uh, to which people are named. For instance, there are different business groups have a Hall of Fame about this kind of business or another. Journalists have a Hall of Fame of this sort or another. Uh, Maybe you've heard of uh, firefighters or policemen and there's a hall of fame that they may enter into because of extraordinarily good service. And so there are all kinds of halls of fame. All right, now what if there was a hall of fame for Christians? What about that? Uh, Now, we're not talking about Bible characters. There would obviously be a whole lot of Bible characters who deserve to be in the hall of fame for Christians. Uh, we're not talking about them. I'm thinking about Christians of today. So there's there's going to be a Hall of Fame for Christians today, and you are on the nominating committee. Who are you going to nominate to the Christian Hall of Fame? I, I imagine that most of us can think of someone that we have known, someone in our acquaintance, someone who was a really strong and Powerful and positive influence for us in our lives as we've tried to live the Christian life. They were just excellent Christians. The people that you have in mind, the people that I have in mind. People who were just excellent Christians. They they were very good, uh, knowledgeable Bible students, and they put it into practice in their daily lives. They lived really wonderful examples before others. Uh, Their devotion, their commitment, their zeal was evident to all. And I think, hopefully, you can remember people like that in your life, as I can, and they were really wonderful people. You know the word that describes all of that that we were just trying to explain? The word that describes all of that is the word virtue. And we want to talk about virtue in our study this morning and hope that we can gain some insights to what the word means and how that we might uh, gain more and more in the characteristic of virtue. That will be our study this morning. we stop here for just a moment to thank you all for being here. Uh, we had a kind of a wintry day a week ago, and now we have an almost spring-like day. Our weather is gorgeous in Middle Tennessee on this Lord's Day, and we're privileged to be able to come together this day to honor and glorify Him who made it all, who who created this world and the physical universe in which we live, Uh, as a a powerful manifestation of His power, but also a sign of His uh, great benevolent attitude toward us. He blesses us in so many ways, in this physical world, and especially in the spiritual world. God is so good to us. We praise Him. We glorify Him. we, We pray that He'll be honored by the time that we spend together in worship today. All right, so we want to talk about virtue And you notice this phrase, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That phrase, of course, comes from the text that Mark read for us earlier from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 5. uh, The so-called Christian graces. We won't take time to read all of those, but notice that they are things we are supposed to increase in. Besides all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, and so on it goes. Here's the expression, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. And so virtue is important. Uh, Virtue is something that we need. Uh, What is it? What is virtue specifically? Well, if we were looking for a definition, if we were looking for a definition, Thayer says that virtue is a word of very wide signification in Greek writing. Any excellence of a person in body or mind or of a thing of eminent endowment, property or quality. Stop there for a minute. Thayer says that this is really a broad term that could be applied to anything. It could be applied to a person who has a great strong physical body like an athlete. Or it could be applied to someone who has a very sharp mind, a, a good student in one way or another. The word is applied to such things persons who are really, really good at something. They are excellent in whatever they are are seeking to achieve, all right? So uh, Thayer says it's a broad word, but basically speaking it denotes somebody who is excellent in one way or another. Then he goes on to say, in an ethical sense, it denotes moral goodness or excellence. And so when the word is used uh, in a spiritual sense, And and honestly, that's almost the exclusive way we use it today. Back then, it would have been used in broader sense. We use it almost exclusively to speak of spiritual things today, and it is moral goodness or excellence. That's what virtue means. Another commentator by the name of Caffin said, "...it is courage, a resolute determination to do what is right, steadfast strength of will to choose always the good part." I think that's a really well-stated definition as well. So virtue, have you got the meaning of it? Virtue, if you were to maybe use one word, synonym, virtue is excellence. It suggests someone who is outstanding in what they're trying to, to do. And in regards to us, as we serve God, if we have virtue, it means we're striving for excellence to be the best that we can be when it comes to serving God. The army used to have an ad campaign. I don't think they use it anymore, but the army used to have an ad campaign in which they said, be the best that you can be. Well, in regards to serving God, that ought to be our goal, to be the best that we can be. And in that sense, we would be displaying virtue. Now, back to the Hall of Fame considerations earlier. Is virtue just something for those really extraordinary Christians that we hold in our minds as just being so outstanding in our memory? Is it just for them, just for those really exceptional Christians, they are the virtue ones? No, if you notice here, this is something that is expected of us all. In fact, it is a command for us to possess virtue, to be excellent in our service to God. Now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit m- more about that uh, a, a little bit later in the lesson. But understand, this is not something that you have an option about. You, you can't say, well, that guy chooses to be a man of virtue. I, I'm not. I'm not a man of virtue. Now, I don't have that option, do I? We're all expected to be people of virtue. All right, let's just make some observations about this. First of all, notice that virtue is to be added to faith. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And that being the case, faith comes first. And we add virtue to faith. And I would just want you to think simply, logically, about the idea of moral excellence without faith. So here's a guy who is really a good guy. I mean, he's a very fine person. He's friendly. He's courteous he's helpful to other people he has sort of a sense of community obligation and he tries to fulfill it to help people maybe needy people in our community he's just he's just a good guy he's an atheist though so he doesn't believe in god well his virtue if you want to call it that his moral excellence he's a really moral guy he he's a very upstanding person you know he he he's a he's faithful to his wife he he tries to uh, do his duty toward his children. Uh, he's the kind of neighbor that you'd really like to have, a neighbor like him. He's a good neighbor. He's a, he's a hard worker on the job. He's just really a fine moral person. But he doesn't even believe in God. That's not going to get him anywhere, is it? Moral excellence is necessary. As we said, it's commanded of us all. But it's got to be moral excellence that is based upon uh, a saving faith in the in the Lord, and so moral excellence without faith is useless. We use and we use the word useless there, by the way, of course, in the sense of there's no eternal or real spiritual value to living a moral life unless you base it upon your faith in God and His Word. Now, another observation to make along that same line is to make this. The proper standard whereby we determine virtue is the Word of God. What is excellence? How, what should we do to be excellent servants of God? What should we do to be virtuous? Well, we gotta, we gotta make that determination upon what God says. We can't dream that up on our own. We can't set up our own standards and say, well, you gotta do this, this, and this. And, and we, we've, we've put our heads together and we've made a list of things that you must do if you're gonna have virtue. It's not up to us, right? God's Word is the standard that measures virtue. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, it is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We reference this passage an awful lot, as you well know, uh, and there's a lot of things to be learned from it. But here we just want to emphasize That if if it is something good that you need to do, God has revealed that. Uh, It's not up to us to invent good things. We're not the ones who decide what's good and what's not good. God has revealed that to us. This passage is a passage that talks about inspiration. And by inspiration, God has told us what's good. He's the one who gets to set that rule. And so, uh, if it's good and we need to do it, it's contained here in the Word of God. That's really a comforting thought, by the way. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Notice, all things that pertain unto life and godliness have been given to us. Uh, Again, if there's anything you need to know, it's here in the Word of God. And notice that it will lead us to glory and virtue. There's our Word again, right? So, what do you need to do? What What's expected of you in order that you could be judged as a person of virtue? Well, it's right here in the Word of God. God is not expecting anything from you that He has not already revealed to you. Notice, uh, when Peter was writing this, he says His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and Godliness. It's already revealed. We're not waiting for that information to come along. That's really a good thing. And we should really be grateful. Imagine, you kids, imagine that you... Uh, it's, it's report card time. Well, boy, don't you dread report cards. And So it's, it's time for you to get your grades for this last period. And, and so you, you get your grades and you look at the sheet and here's a course... You got an F. You got an F in this course. I thought, you know, and you think to yourself, I thought I was doing really good in this. And so you go to the teacher and say, why, why did I get an F here? Well, she says it's because you didn't turn in five papers that you were expected to turn in. You said, five papers? I didn't know anything about five papers. You didn't think? anything. Well, she said, I didn't say anything about it, but I was expecting you to do it. Well, that wouldn't be right, would it? you are get an F for something that you didn't even know about? That'd be terrible. It's impossible, right? Imagine if God was that way. Imagine if God, in judgment, God said, well, you're, you're off to hell. You're off to hell because you didn't do this and, this and this. I didn't know about that. Well, I didn't tell you, but I was still want, I was still expecting you to do that. That would never happen, right? A just God would never act like that. This just God that we're dealing with has revealed all things to us so that we can come to glory and virtue there's not going to be any judgment day surprises from god everything we need to know has been revealed but again we want to simply stress you can't come to that by your own invention you can't decide for yourself what's good what's excellent in isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 beginning for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts we're just going to have to submit to God and do His things His way. All right. So, add to your faith virtue. Now, how would we demonstrate this moral excellence, this courage? Remember the definition that we were that we looked at earlier: moral excellence to be the best that you can be. How, how do we get and how do we show that? Well. Great Bible heroes displayed virtue, and we can learn by their examples. Uh, I, I, just, I just put a few here, and there's so many more that we could add. Think about a man like Noah. Noah was a man of virtue. He was excellent. Uh, we talk about this a lot, but you, can you really try to imagine a whole world in which you and your immediate family are the only ones who are trying to do the right thing? I mean, we feel like we're in a pretty distinct minority in the world today, but we're nothing like Noah was. And in a world like that, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, Noah was seeking to do God's will. He was excellent. Under very harsh, trying conditions, he was doing the right thing. Or think about a man like Abraham. Abraham was uh, uh, told by God, uproot your family. Take off and go to a place, you don't know this place, you just go and I'll take you to the place where I want you to go. Abraham did that, just humbly obeying God. Later, when his son of promise, Isaac, was born to him, uh, God asked him to sacrifice his son. And Abraham was going to do that. He didn't eventually do that, as you well know the story, but he was willing to do what, what God says I will do, was the attitude of Abraham. Abraham was a person of virtue, a great hero of the faith. What about Moses? We talk so often about Moses. Here's Moses who was raised in the royal family of Egypt. He was raised as though he was the grandson of Pharaoh. He wasn't, of course, but he was raised that way. And and that being the case, he had every privilege that the very wealthy and powerful nation of Egypt had to offer. He had it all. What do you want? You can have it. But in Hebrews chapter eleven verse twenty-five, it says that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He was a man of virtue. I mean, he 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 chose to serve God. And then maybe just one more example is the is the great Old Testament prophet Elijah. Elijah, uh, you remember the famous contest on Mount Carmel in First Kings chapter eighteen. Elijah, a man alone, stood up before 450 prophets of Baal. But the text also mentions another 400 prophets of the groves. And so there were 850 on that side and Elijah on this side. And then on top of that, all the people of Israel just standing around with their hands in their pockets. They wouldn't take a stand. They wouldn't stand with Elijah. And so they just they wouldn't they weren't backing him they weren't supporting him they were just kind of observing Elijah a man alone before that great array of false prophets and he did it uh, uh, such a powerful example a virtuous person so would you agree with me Noah Abraham Moses Elijah and then just keep adding the names right there's more and more from the Old Testament uh who were virtuous people excellent in service to God. Excellent. That's the word, right? That's the word we want to really stress. excellence in service to God. They were virtuous. You can add Old Testament characters. You can add a host of New Testament characters as well who would fit that bill. Let me tell you something. It might be a little bit hard uh to relate to someone like Noah Abraham, Moses, or Elijah, because typically we don't find ourselves in those kinds of confrontations and, and with those kinds of challenges placed before us. Uh, for instance, with Elijah, I, 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 can't, I can't picture myself uh, in, in, a, in a face-to-face confrontation with 850 false prophets all at once and then a bunch of other people who won't take a stand. But well, with Moses, I, I, I've never been in a position of privilege, although our lives are very blessed, we've never been in a position of privilege like Moses was, and he chose to give that all up to serve God. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm not in those kind of circumstances, right? I'm not like Noah, where the whole world is evil, and I'm the only one trying to do right. They were virtuous people, but their circumstances might be a little bit hard for us to relate to. Instead of those people, I want you to think about the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31. You know that text well also. Read with me just some excerpts from this longer passage in Proverbs chapter 31, beginning verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Oh, wait a minute, there's our word. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She looketh well to the ways of her husband, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. What's this woman doing? Well, this woman is just fulfilling the everyday duties of a wife and mother, right? She's, she's not confronting 850 false prophets on Mount Carmel. She's not building an ark like Noah did. Uh, she's not up on a mountain about to sacrifice her children like Abraham was about ready to sacrifice Isaac. What's she doing? She's just doing her work, her God-assigned role. She's, she's fulfilling her, all of her duties in everyday life as a, a wife and mother. Notice, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Do you get it? When we do our best, Right where we are, wherever we are, when we do our best to fulfill the role that we're in, in God's service and in his kingdom, we are manifesting virtue. I think, I don't know about you, but it seems to me this is this is maybe closer to home, isn't it? I love to talk about Noah and Abraham and Moses and Elijah. But I tell you what, This brings it closer to home, doesn't it? The virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, she was virtuous. She was doing her best. She was being excellent where she was with what she had, with what was expected of her. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to do our very best where we are, whatever comes our way. Think about the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. And then one final point to make, and it is this, that we should never imagine that we have fully arrived in the matter of virtue. This is not one of those things where you can check it off and say, okay, I got that. I did that. I'm I'm okay on that one. This is not like that. Let me take you back to the text again that Mark read for us at the very start. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. There's our word. But I want you to concentrate right here on the word add. Add to your faith virtue. Well, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you students. I, you know, English was never my favorite subject. <laughs> but I know, and I think you know, that's a verb, right? The word "add" is a verb. You're supposed to add something. You're supposed to do something. Well, uh, so adding something to do. A little bit of Greek. We're not great Greek scholars here, but a little bit of Greek might help. the The, the word here in the Greek is the aorist tense and the imperative mood, okay, that doesn't doesn't help you, imperative mood means it's a command, you have to, we were talking about that earlier, this is not just for a handful of really top-notch Christians who are expected to be virtuous, this is for us all, and so add to your faith virtue, the word add, is in the imperative mood which says you have to do it. It's a command. It's not optional. You are required to be the best that you can be. So it's imperative mood. It's aorist tense. The aorist tense in Greek was something that meant it's never fully accomplished. It's never really done. Uh, It never stops. Uh, it's a requirement without bounds or limitations so you're commanded to do it and you never fully achieve it there's always more that you can do that's what this word add means okay and so that being the case I can never as I said earlier I can never say well I've done it I've made it I'm there I'm I'm I have virtue I don't have to work on that one anymore I'll go on to something else no this is something you keep working on, you, and, and if you're viewing it right, you're going to keep working on it for the rest of your life, to be the best that you can be as a servant of God. Look how Paul approached this. You know this text too, Philippians chapter 3. Here, here's Paul. When you talk about a man of virtue, Paul's got to be on that list for sure, right? But notice what he thought. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not there yet, and I keep pressing on. And certainly that needs to be indicative of all of us. We have not arrived. We are not there yet. And as long as we're breathing air we got to keep working on developing virtue to be the best that we can be excellent in service to God. Virtue. I hope that study is an encouragement to us all to keep trying to be better and better as we serve the Lord. It's what He deserves from us and it's what's expected of us. What's your situation this morning? Our lesson has been for those of us who are Christians already. And so we'll speak to you first as we're about to sing this song of invitation. Have you been working hard to be the best that you can be in service to God? It, it might be that you'd have to honestly answer no, and I, I've been I've been letting down, and I haven't been getting the job done like it's expected of me. If that's the case, could we just simply beg you to start a, start anew, get back on the right track, uh, repent of your sins, confess your faith or confess your sins as needed, and pray for forgiveness so that's what we do as Christians when we haven't been living up to what's expected we repent confess as needed and pray for forgiveness if you need our help in that let us know we'd we'll be glad to help you and pray with you and for you if you're not a Christian yet of course that simple gospel plan of salvation is simply hear, believe, repent, confess be baptized for the remission of sins. if you're in need of our help in making your life right with God in any way let us know while we stand and sing this song